0: Today, hey. God the Father, who are ever blessed we has called us to eternal glory in Jesus Christ. Christ, without sin, ignored the sins of the world and laid his life on the cross that we might live forever. And with the weakness of human flesh made manifest the image of thy perfection. We beseech thee, Father, all holy, fill us from on high with thy strength, that we may follow in his steps. Make us like in goodness to thy son in this proud and constant age. that the way of thy truth suffer no blasphemy because of our untruth, nor be profaned by the sons of the adversary. Through the same Jesus Christ, thy son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the unity of the Holy Ghost, one God, world without end. Amen. Oh, Amen. That's a state prayers. So I'm sorry to <laughs> <You're laughs> <helper> it <in> here. Need good help around here. I discovered orthodoxy. When i was in the episcopal church seminary back in the early 80s hardly that's been that long ago i converted in 1994 a week converted in 1994 but i had i found that i didn't really begin to understand orthodoxy until we were about 10 years in so some of you have been convert or most i guess all of you were converts most of you uh, and you may be able to say the same thing and it wasn't until annual clergy retreat one year, I think this was in the early 2000s, bishop, His Grace Bishop Basil, who was then the bishop of not just our diocese, but of the Western Rite Vicariate. Uh, invited Father Zacharias Zachary to speak at our annual clergy retreat. Up till then, it seemed like all the priests who came, all the speakers who came, spoke about issues that it, in, that interested the clergy, but they really I wouldn't they were more pragmatic than anything else, and usually, what happened was they would present papers on particular subjects, uh, and then we would we would discuss whatever it was they they discussed. Well, Father Zacharias came, and he had an entirely different arrangement, uh, and he spoke about the spiritual life from an Orthodox perspective, which structured <laughs> the core of my being, uh, and and those lectures he gave. They were actually lectures, individual lectures, papers that he wrote on various aspects of spiritual life in regard to two saints of the church. Uh, and he, so he presented papers and then he, you, you, you'd almost have to be there to have seen this, but he would stop in the middle of a sentence and just look up and say something in one sentence, which was just strike to the core of our beings. Bishop Basil called them zingers. <laughs> Uh, and in 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 the when when it was over, it was such an impressive event for all of us, and including people who who heard about it and wanted to know about it, that St. Ticon Seminary produced it in a book form, that this book here, The Enlargement of the Heart. Uh, <clears throat> we have one copy in the library. Uh, you can get it through the St. John uh, the Forerunner Monastery in England, Essex, England, in Hardback, which I more recommend. This is actually his second or third book. And he, he's written 18 books, but he hasn't written any of them, I don't think. Uh, he, what he's done is written chapters and presented them. And then people have put, the monks have put them together uh, to create it in book form. So you can get all these things. So anyway, I, I recommend this. This was life transforming for me. And the chapters will have the zingers, they're called asides. So you can see they put him in there exactly as, as, he, as he said it. Uh, and then the questions and the answers at the end. And you can see the hunger of the clergy just increasing as I go through the book. Well, what I liked most about this was that he used words and phrases that captured broad aspects of Orthodox experience and thinking. And, and he would use these words, and I'd, I'd heard the words, but it never occurred to me to hear them the way he spoke. Uh, And that's what began to transform for me. And then I realized, as I read other Orthodox books, that these terms were around everywhere. But everybody meant something else, but it was the way he presented them that I was able to grasp uh, new insights into what it meant to understand Orthodoxy, even to participate in it. Uh, And I realized something else. One can be Orthodox and never really understand what that means in all of its involvement. So he said this about tradition. He described tradition this way in this book. He said it is a lens, hear that word, a lens through which we can gaze fixedly at the endless horizons of the great mystery of godliness which has been revealed to us. A lens through which we can gaze fixedly at the endless horizons of the great mystery of godliness which has been revealed to us. Wow. Wow. In another book he's written, and I use the title of it, it's called Man, the Target of God. Remember and I say what he's written, it's in quotations. The monks have actually written it, I think. Uh, In any case, he said this, A special gift has been given to us, but it is not independent of our personality. If we do not harmonize with grace, we can remain complete strangers, aliens to what has been given to us. We do not harmonize by our wills with what has been given to us. Uh, And we don't want that to be true of us. We don't want to miss out. Uh, Or as one Protestant minister said many years ago, back in the 70s, please God, don't leave me behind. Well, he isn't. So in the upcoming lessons over the next few weeks, I want to review some of the fundamental words and phrases he uses, which I think open our eyes and contribute. Today, I want to look at the word hypostasis or hypostatic, both of them, they go both two sides of the same, one's a noun, one's adjective. In the second lesson, I want to look at man, the target of God. (laughs) Does that get to you, the target God targets us? Wow, we think we're insignificant, especially in light of when we see anything scientific about how broad the universe (laughs) is and all of the cosmos is. We think me little one, little old me, in the middle of all this, in a planet that can't even be seen, a few dist- a little distance out there, and that two aspects of man, the target of God, attracting God, what He calls attracting God. Wow, and also a communion of states. God grants us a communion of states, and the state, of course, is Himself. The third one is knowing our measure. This is a good one. As Dirty Harry would say, a man's got to know his limitations. They know these things are coming, you know, but you all don't necessarily do. So So, Dirty Harry, he's got some great lines. Clint Eastwood has some great lines. Uh, Then he uses, the way he uses the word charismatic, any of you who came out of churches are involved in charismatic renewal. Charismatic means gift. Some of us in the 70s and the 60s, we thought that the charismatic renewal was swing, uh, raising hands, singing in tongues, or speaking in tongues, and having healing and prophecy and all that kind of stuff. And Father Zacharias uses it as a gift and speaks of humility, repentance, and despair. Charismatic humility. Does that change the way you view that? Charismatic repentance. Charismatic despair. We'll talk more about that later. Another one is shame in confession. And I've mentioned this, alluded to this. Shame in confession. We're all afraid to go to confession because we don't want to be ashamed. But that's the very thing that heals us. And then one, the last one, the sixth one, the way he uses the word psychological versus, in, in almost in a contrast to the word he uses, Ontological. Psychological is the limited state in which we view reality from our fallen condition, and ontological is how we the, the, the wholeness of us that is transformed by the grace of God as it becomes present in our lives. And lastly, I want to look at some texts which capture aspects of this. One of them is the prayer for forgiveness from St. Nikolai Velomitovich. If any of you have read his book, Prayers by the Lake, it can actually be seen online. This one, that prayer of forgiveness will blow your socks off if you haven't seen it. One side of of us will say, yeah, that's exactly what that means when he says, pray for those who hurt you. But at the same time, really? (laughs) You want me to do this? Yes. A second one, we look at a portion of Adam's Lament. Adam's Lament was written by St. Silouan, uh, and, and it captures both a sense of the grief, personal grief over the fall of humanity, but also personal grief over our own individual falls. The third section on that one, we'll be looking at a chapter from Lamentations, which does something along similar lines to reading from Adam's Lament. Uh, and Lamentations, by the way, is read in the Western Rite lectionary during Holy Week as we lament the fall that led to this whole situation, this whole scenario. And lastly, I want to look at something called the Litany of Humility, which was written by a Roman Catholic priest in the 19th century, and yet it's very orthodox in its, in its orientation and fits in this pattern. Most people are not aware of the Litany of Humility, but it's pretty powerful. Very, very powerful. But today, as I mentioned, I want to look at the word hypostasis, and, and its adjective form hypostatic because he mentions these things. Now, <clears throat> in the tradition, the word hypos- hypostasis is usually used of the persons of the Trinity. And remember in Orthodox theology, God is essence and he is his energies. His essence is that which is transcendent and unknowable. God's essence is unknowable. The Eastern Rite uh, creed uses one essence with the father and the son, whereas in the Western Rite we say one substance. That's the Latin word for the same thing in translation, but it doesn't capture quite the same uh, content as, as essence does. So God is his essence. We can never know God in his essence but God is also his energies, and we can know his energies, and his energies are manifested as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Each of those is called a hypostasis, a very unique individual, sometimes translated into Latin as per- we get our word person. It doesn't have the same ring because of all the baggage our society talks. You want to find your personhood. What does that mean? Well, if we can put it in this way. Uh, and we'll find out. So it refers to God's energies, apostasies. Uh And in, in relating to God, then it might be said that it, it means uh, subordinate, like the, the Son is begotten, the spirit proceeds, but not less than for God. subordinate but not less than. where people have gone into heresy, heresy of subordinationism is when they failed that other second line, but not less than and so the son and the spirit are less than fully god that's called subordinationism that's a heresy they're subordinate and yet equal sharing in essence the son shares the essence of the father he who has seen me has seen the father i and the father are one christ said either he was crazy or he was truthful and right and right but it's also person that is personal So God makes himself known to us, and hypostatic hypostasis captures that. He makes himself known to us as unique individual and participating in the unity of the Godhead. It's real, substantive. Christ is not a metaphor or a myth. He's real and substantive, and the word hypostasis in reference to him captures that. But it also relates to us. And here's where it comes in handy in reading someone like any Orthodox theologian who mentions it. We are subordinate to God. We're not God, as much as we'd like to think we are. (laughs) Uh, We're not equal to him, but we share in his creative work, just like Adam did in the beginning when God asked Adam to name the creatures. We share in his creative work. So we're less than, but we share in his creative work. Each of us is a person, unique, individual, representing all things. Hear me, each one of us represents all things. And I want to give you a picture of what that's like. This is from Alexei Chomyakov's book, The Church is One. This was written around 1850. So it's a long time back. Those who are alive on earth, those who have finished their earthly course, those who, like the angels, were not created for a life on earth, those in future generations who have not yet begun their earthly course are all united together in one church, in one and the same grace of God. For the creation of God, which has not yet been manifested, is manifest to him And God hears the prayers and knows the faith of those whom he has not yet called out of non-existence into existence. That's reality. Do we grasp that? (laughs) Hardly. (coughs) Hardly. And yet, we take a position there. We represent on behalf of God all of that. That's why we pray for the dead, you know. Because... We're participating in eternity, and they're in eternity, so they still are. It's not like they're gone. That's a worldly concept. That's a fallen concept. They are. So to find this, to begin to participate in God and in this reality, is to find our hypostasis, our real personhood, our true humanity, that which we lack, that which we pursue. You read, you hear the news and read the statistics, the suicides in America are up radically. Why is it? Because human beings have this part of us, this part of us that can only be filled this way, and it's a big empty hole crying out at us, fill this, and there's only one way to do it. And we're on that path. And if we don't do it, we have this big emptiness. Crying out, Phil, and we can't. Nothing works. Nothing lasts. Nothing satisfies. And we're empty all the time. So, Father Zacharias uses the word hypostasis to refer to the whole human, that which God intended, that which we seek. And he calls it sometimes, as I mentioned, the hypostatic principle, that part of us that wants this. And so, we want to discover our purpose, to leave a memory to make a notable difference, to count, to find ourselves, to be ourselves. When we realize or begin to realize our hypotheses, and the the fun thing about this is it's eternal. It goes on and on and on and on. It does not like we just do it, you know, I do a few things and I get it. We get glimpses and we're being drawn in, farther up and farther in, as C.S. Lewis said in the last battle of the Chronicles of Narnia. And so when we, we, this is accomplished it begins to be accomplished when we discover our purpose as co-creators and here it is you see hypostasis is this is something which the world all of the cosmos and all of time has changed when i begin to participate in this and the only way i can do that is to turn inward and begin to change me you know we as fallen human beings think if all of you change Or all the people out there, the world will be a better place. When in fact it starts with me. If I change me, the world is different. And that's a tough one. Because we're going to have to do some serious alteration and admission first and foremost. So we learn our purpose as co-creators by learning that we have to work on ourselves. So as to see this hypostasis manifested in us. We realize this begins to be accomplished when we leave a memory. Don't we all want to be remembered. You know, we, we talk about this a lot at home. We find, in looking at our own lives, that three generations out, no one even remembers who we were. Pretty sad. And we, we think, you know, oh, I'll always be remembered. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, do you remember your great grandparents? It's getting worse in America, too, as the, as the nuclear family breaks down. People are moving all the time. We get separated from them. Nobody knows. But God knows. And that's why in Orthodoxy, when we pray for the departed, we say, memory eternals. The only memory that matters is that God remembers us. That on Judgment Day, God says, uh, God doesn't say, out of my sight, I never knew you. So we want to be known in him, and that happens when we begin to develop our apostasy, to so understand it and develop it. Memory eternal. We leave a memory. When we make a noticeable difference, and again, I said, all creation changes all of time. everything changes when one of us is changed, when we yield something small in the spiritual life of ourselves to God. When we begin to discover our hypostases, and that's when we make our lives count. And thus we become real, or, you might say, we truly are. Now I say that because uh, ontology has to do with the study or what we say about being. when we truly are, you can see the difference between ontological and psychological. We become ourselves. Through repentance. Looking at ourselves with all of our beings. It's seeing what's really that's why I recommend do the self examining, go through the self examination at least once a week. Look at it. See it. See what it says about self and don't and don't go through it and say, Oh, you know, I see so and so, and I see so and so, and I see so yeah, of course. Look at self. What does this say about me? Because when we come to that, then we're really getting to discovering our hypostases and who we are and what we are meant to be. And it's okay. We don't have to be anybody famous. I don't want to be anybody famous it has got enough pet problems as being who I am. <laughs> so we don't, we don't need that. We just want to be ourselves and be happy with that. Now, I'd say one last thing about this. So, hypostasis and hypostatic. Father Zacharias has written a book called Hypostatic Prayer. And he describes prayer, and he puts it in that terminology, or the monks did, uh, because prayer properly re- re- uh, learned and practiced transforms us. It's one of the very, very many agents which transforms our hypostasis, makes it <coughs> possible, for all that that entails. But I would end with this last note. You all know the definition of faith in Hebrews 11.1, and this is from the RSV. Faith Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the substance of things unseen. You all know it. And yet in Greek it reads, Faith is the hypostasis of things hoped for, the substance of things unseen. Now, I recommend that if you really want to understand this, you read a book by Heratius Vlachos. I love Vlachos' works. Uh, He's easy to read, and it's called uh, The Person in the Orthodox Tradition. And and the funny thing with the title, it looks like they made a mistake. Person is in lowercase p. (laughs) The person, but you see, you and I are not God, so that refers to us. It might refer to the the second person, of the Trinity person. Uh, or the Holy Spirit, or even the Father, if they had an uppercase P. It's a lowercase. It's you and me. And we see this concept of apostasy woven throughout the book, what it means to find ourselves. Faith is the hypostasis apost- of things hoped for, the substance of things unseen. So the next time we'll look at uh, man, is a man the target of God? I can't get my page of fingers to uh, yeah, man, the target of God in two contexts, attracting God in communion of states. You now, based on what I've just told you, you're already beginning to ascertain some of where that's going. <clears throat> Questions? Yes, ma'am? I was just going to ask, because you've given so many good references, if you could possibly give us that this somehow, books that you just referred to. Like it to something so yeah. he didn't have it. Yeah. Yeah. If you're interested in Father Zacharias' books, one of the things I like about Father Zacharias is that especially in this book here, <clears throat> he was he was a disciple of St. Sophronia of Essex. St. Sophronia of Essex was a disciple of St. Silwan the Athenite. So you have a tradition and I personally think that when Father Zacharias is gone and he's nearly 90 now, that he'll wind up being sainted someday. I mean, the monks are so enwrapped in the tradition in in Essex that they write the books for him. They take what he says and put it together, as I mentioned. But in any case, uh, there really is a threefold tradition here in terms of the tradition of St. Silouan, the tradition of St. Sophrony, and the tradition of the church. All passed off to us. That's what's so valuable to this. And you can you can find that list of books uh, if you go, if you if you Google uh, or go online and just try to get Saint Saint John the I think it's Saint John the Baptist uh, Monastery in Essex, England, and they'll have all his books and all Saint Sophroni's books. Saint Sophroni did write his books. Uh, and when you have read all those, there's this what eight or nine Father Soproni books and eighteen Father Zacharias books, uh, and they're they're well worth having, believe me. Uh, so anyway, but I can send the list as well. <laughs> and once you've once you've locked on and bought one, they'll send you a te- a, a text. Periodically, that they printed something else, which is deadly. Very <laughs> crazy to <tell> you. <clears throat> as soon as I see it, I order it. You know? <laughs> Sign unseen. Anyway. All right, thank you. We'll meet in two weeks.